Live. Live from This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me with freedom. Y'all ready for this? Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this latest episode of the Just Have the Suffering Podcast with New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. We're going to get ready for the U.S. Open this week over at the Country Club course in Brookline, Massachusetts. It's going to be joined just a bit by our golf course, my PJ Tours own Dan Martin. We're going to talk all about the U.S. Open, some of the favorites to watch here, what to know about the course, sleepers, winner picks, all that fun stuff in just a bit. Make sure you're locked into the end of the show for my two minute drill. We're going to talk about the premiere of Miss Marvel, the first episode dropped last Wednesday on Disney+. Plus. I got my take on it, so I'll share that at the end of the show. If you like what you hear on the Justin Suffering Podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Justin the Suffering, your favorite podcast platform, and find all episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and starring as well. They help make the podcast even better going forward. So check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. You can see the video version of these conversations with the guests, so my chat with Dan's be up on the YouTube channel again. Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, we're going to go to our opening tip where we're going to have the funeral for the 2021-22 New York Rangers season right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, opening tip time, and the Rangers have been eliminated. They lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning in six games. They are out of the playoffs here. It's something I talked about last week on the podcast here that game five was the Muffs get. They did not get game five. They get the lead on the fluky line ring, Ryan Ling ring goal in game five. Then the Lightning get their fluky other own to tie it. This game's tied 1 1 for a long time. Then you have this brilliant setup here. Andrew Kopp. Throws a pass to Ryan Strom with the net half wide open. All he has to do is tap it in there. The Rangers have the lead. He misses. Tampa gets the goal a minute later. Sergachev burns the Rangers again. Lose game five. That image of Ryan Strom with the empty net is one that's going to haunt the Rangers for years. Game six, you knew it was off to a weird start when Gerard Gallant decides to scratch Capo Caco for some reason to put Dryden Hunt in the game. The move ends up backfiring. The Rangers lose that game three to one. They are out of the playoffs here. And this is, a you know, as amazing a year as it was where this team really took a big step forward. There are a lot of questions here. They missed a lot of opportunities here. They raised questions, raised the head coach right now, Gerard Galan. And he's a guy you notch him historically. He's three years and out pretty much every job he's in. We see, you know, some of these limitations that he's had. The Rangers, whenever down the road, could not get anything out of the top line because the other team with the last change could match up on them. No real adjustments there. Reluctance to play the kid line is a big issue. Now you wonder if Kako is annoyed because he got scratched in the biggest game of the year. They have a lot of key free agent decisions coming up here. You have Ryan Strom heading free agent, who is a big part of Panarin's line. You have Andrew Kopp and Frank Vetrano free agents. You have this segment give Kako Kako an offer sheet. You have to decide on Tyler Mott, Stanley Blaze, restricted free agent. You forgot about him. You still have to figure out how to get this team better. They need more production out of the Top six. They need more ability to generate nine on, generate offense on five on five. They could not do that. 
during the postseason. That was the big bubble. And the power play was great, but they couldn't get on enough. They have some tight cap issues navigate here where you figure they could look to get another center figure out. Number two center is still the big question here, whether it's Strom, whether it's Cop. So they're more like to keep Cop than Strom because he's more versatile. Maybe we can fill a Pedal up there. Is Alexi Frontier going to be on the top six on the right wing? Good question here. There's a lot of talent here. But getting back here is not guaranteed. They're taking a big step forward. Now the pressure's going to be on them this offseason to make the moves they need to make in order to take advantage of this window they have here where they have a very good core. They have some elite pieces in the goalie, Igor Shesterkin, in the young defense core led by Adam Fox and Keandre Miller with Micah Zibanejad, with the kid line starting to emerge. And Philip Hill had a huge playoffs. The pieces are there for them to be very exciting. This offseason is critical because they do not make the right moves. You're going to end up in this no-man land because the East is still ridiculous. You still have to deal with Carolina. Tampa is not going anywhere anytime soon. You have a lot of good teams in this conference. They have teams on the ride as well. So would not be shocking at all to see the Rangers have some issues. They cannot properly build the depth around the core so that you know the fourth line is not a zero when it's on the ice so that they can score five on five so that they cannot be just relying on Shesterkin to steal games for them. They need to find a way to generate more offense. That's something they got to figure out during the offseason. Then we'll suddenly keep a track on the Rangers, see what happens to them coming up here. But up next, we're going to dive into our golf conversation with Dandy Martini right after this. All right, we are back here on the Justin Suffering Podcast, getting ready for the third major of the year in the golf world, the U.S. Open, kicking off this week at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. Joining me today to break it down, as we do on this podcast, our PGA Tour correspondent, he actually works at the tour, Dan Martinez here. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? Pretty good. And I got to say, it feels like there's a lot of news going on in the world of golf right now. Can you give me sort of a general overview of what's happening here? Yeah, and, you know, once again, there's there's for anybody out there, there's a lot going on in the world of golf. Um, I advise everybody to go and, you know, read articles from unbiased sources and obviously uh, understand where the game of golf is and some of the challenges that are that are going on around the world. And a lot of people's opinions differ at the moment. Uh, I can say a few things. I'm very proud to be a PGA Tour employee. And uh, I do think that uh, what we do, our mission, um, who we partner with, our players are the best in the world, and we will continue to do so uh, going forward by supporting those players, working with our partners, and putting out a wonderful product that, that gives back to charity. And um, that's a huge thing for us, and um, I'm proud to uh, continue working for the tour for many years to come. Fair enough. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> But this week, the U.S. Open, yeah, um, happy to kind of walk everybody through like I normally do. So we're at the Country Club of Brookline, which is, uh, believe it or not, I think it's the oldest country club in America, if I, if I looked into that correctly. Um, it was part of the original five that the USGA um, had uh, sanctioned, and it is very, very interesting. Um, once again, the U.S. Open chooses – and the USGA choose very, very difficult layouts. Um, they set up the course in a way that's going to be a very difficult challenge for these guys this week. Uh, the marquee thing to know about the country cover Brookline is their greens, super tiny greens. 
challenging um, split elevation. If you don't put the ball in the exactly correct spot on the green, you could end up well off the green, way back in the fairway, in the water, in trouble. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what the conditions are like and whether or not guys are able to get the ball to stop on the green in spots that they want. You have to have pinpoint accuracy as you approach greens. I wouldn't be shocked if a few guys lay up, um, you know, just knowing that their next shot would be much easier than going for the greens and having it roll to a very difficult position. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, this course was redesigned or reimagined a bit um, in 2007 to make it more playable today to today's standards. I mean, it's been around for over 100 years. Um, and so what, as I understand it, there are three nine holes at the Country Club of Brookline, and the USGA has combined certain tees and fairways within those 27 holes to make this year's layout. So this is the first time it's ever going to be played with this exact tee to green layout, which is really interesting. Um, you know, we haven't really seen the U S open there. There was a Ryder cup there. Um, and you know, we haven't seen it since I think before you and I were born, Mike, I think the last time it was played, there was 1988. So that's yeah, I think the U.S. Amateur had been there, and we could talk about that in a little bit. But, um, you know, other than that, it's it's been a while. But I love, love, love being from the Northeast, getting to see this part of the schedule because um, myself, I'll be in Maine next week for, for the Corn Ferry Tour event. Um, there are a lot of really wonderful course setups, and you only get a couple months a year. Uh, but this is a great time to tune in and check out what golf in the Northeast looks like. Um, so fingers crossed for good weather and good conditions for the guys. Yeah. I, th I thought it was he brought that 2013 U.S. Amateur they had. I was looking at the results from that tournament. There's some big names that are in the news today in the golf world that play there. I mean, Corey Connors, Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, the list goes on here. Like, So like, what, do you think some of those guys who played the course in 13 when it was a – USG US amateur will have an advantage over the rest of the field. Um, I do, um, which, you know, not to get too far ahead of me, but the guy that won the event, uh, is, is my sleeper pick for the week. Um, not so sleeper pick for the week. Uh, but yeah, you have to kind of look at the crop of guys that are playing really well on the PGA tour right now, leading into the U S open and, and having that advantage Scheffler, Homa, the guys that you guys listed, um, all, Sam Burns, all of those young guys that are having phenomenal seasons on tour are, are ripe to attack this course um, with a somewhat new lens, but also understanding that they've, they've been out there and played very competitive rounds on the course. So it's a huge advantage compared to the guys that are getting there for the first time today. Yeah, for sure. And right now, the defending champ is John Rahm. He won last year at Torrey Pines. Like, do you think he has a good shot on this course? You can never count John Rahm out. You just can't. He, his game, when when the lights are brightest, he steps up. And uh, I, I think that, once again, there's certain odds if you're looking um, and, and looking at who the favorites are here. John Rahm might be a, a great pick. He's he's obviously the top two guys leading in are, are Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler. But, you know, if you have your eye to try to take somebody other than the favorites, John Rahm is, is a great bet. It doesn't matter how well John Rahm is playing or how often he's playing going into a major. He always brings it, and I fully expect a top 10. 
and that he's competing uh, well into late Saturday, early Sunday for sure, at a minimum. Yeah, let's talk about some of the other contenders here. Who are some other guys you have your eye on here this week in terms of who can make some noise, in terms of like the more con- traditional like, contenders? Yeah, well, you know, Justin Thomas is my guy. Um, I feel like I say his name all the time going into this. I love Sam Burns. Um, I think one of the coolest finishes this year uh, is obviously watching when Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler were in a playoff a couple weeks ago, and you saw the confidence that Sam Burns plays with. Um, I just love his game. I think he, as long as he keeps it in the fairway, he's got great iron play and he can really putt the heck out of the ball. So I think it's going to be really important that your putting game is, is the most critical part this week. Um, if you, if you're not leaving your first putts in, in good spots, we could see a ton of three putts. So it's just going to be a challenging week. I think it's going to take an adjustment. I expect the scores to be, right around even after the first round, maybe one guy has just an incredible round early in the day before the crowds start to show. Um, Other guys that I like, obviously, Justin Rose had an amazing week at the RBC Canadian Open. Huge fan of him whenever it comes to to a major championship as well. And why not Max Homa? I mean, he seems to be uh, the millennial favorite these days uh, just because of his social media presence and everything he brings to the table and having several wins now under his belt. So why not look at a guy like Max? You know, he's got a lot of fans in the Northeast that are looking to, to cheer him on. So I expect some raucous Boston area crowds to get behind Homa very early. Yeah, I think one thing I remember about the U.S. Open people may not remember is that this is sort of like run differently than a lot of the other majors where like the USGA runs in, like they tend to enjoy making it more difficult for the pros to like actually compete on this thing. You're not going to see winning scores like minus 12, minus 15. Like you see sometimes the match of the PGA is like, you might be like lucky to get minus three on your winner. Sometimes they incredible. They try to make it a true test. Um, we all remember what happened at Chambers Bay, you know, several years ago when, you know, putts were, going off the back of greens nobody could score it it was the scores were crazy uh, high you know which in golf is not a good thing you don't want a high score um you know i fully expect the same thing why not i think it's fun you know you you, you see um people love home runs people love touchdowns people love birdies but once in a while having an event where it really shows how hard a golf the game of golf can be and everybody's right around even as the course was intended to be i think it can be fun and it it normalizes what a lot of people um it, it makes the players more relatable because these are the best players in the world and um seeing them struggle makes you feel a little better every time you chunk it in the middle of the fairway yeah, to look at some of the winning scores the past year. The last two years was minus six uh, as the winning tally. It was at minus thirteen from Gary Woodland in twenty nineteen, but plus one was the winning score from twenty from Brooks Kepka in twenty eighteen, which tells you how hard the US Open can be. Can be all right, and um, and and Brooks Kepka is a, a great name to keep an eye on as well this week. Anytime it feels like PGA US Open is when he really really shines. So keep an eye on him too. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on him, too. We like to talk about the sleepers, right? You mentioned one earlier, Matt Fitzpatrick, is somebody you're watching. Who else is on your sleeper list? Yeah, I mean, it depends on how um, how far down a sleeper you're looking for. I mean, guys that you don't immediately think of. I love Will Zalatoris. Um, I think that when the majors 
are out there. He seems to step up as well. His game is perfectly laid out for the country club at Brookline. Um, obviously, you know, there's a guy named Joaquin Neiman who is not a big name right now for the casual golf fan, but I really love his game. Um, he always, it feels like every time there's a major out there too, you see his name in the top 10 early. So why not? And, and Cam Smith, the players championship winner, um, the players champion. Um, I mean, he's just having a phenomenal season and I don't think that the bright lights of a major really bother him. He's a very easygoing guy and, uh, he's easy to root for as well. So keep an eye on Cam Smith. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it is early in the week. We're recording on Monday. There's a couple of days of warm-ups to get through before they actually get here. One thing I also want to mention here is that Tiger Woods did opt to skip this event in order to focus on getting ready for the Open Championship next month. There's like a better chance to win there. I mean, considering the struggles we saw Tiger at the PGA, I think it's probably a wise decision not to try every single major, only a month apart. Yeah, Tiger's not going to play if he doesn't feel like he has a chance to win. Um, he's not going out there looking to just try to, to finish second or in the top 10. That's just not Tiger Woods. And anybody who's watched Tiger Woods over the last 20 years knows that that's not Tiger. He, he wants to win, and when his body is right, he'll be ready to go. So I would expect to see him play either a tune-up round before that um, you know, you know, or get out there early and, and really start focusing on winning another major. So, um, you know, we all root for Tiger. We love Tiger and, and we hope that, um, you know, he's ready to go and, and gets back playing competitively on the PGA Tour. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of winners, you're looking at some of the odds on uh, DraftKings right now. I think Rory is the lead, is the project is the high is the lowest odds right now. I think he's plus a thousand to win. I think Rom is plus twelve hundred. Scheffler plus fourteen hundred. Like, who is your winner pick right now? If you had to make one, you know, and I hate to just keep going back to the well on this, but I really do think that Justin Thomas. Um, I actually think it hurts Rory a little bit. We all love Rory. Um, you know, it's just. I think that when you win an event like he just did uh, yesterday at the RBC Canadian Open, which he was just, um, it was such a, a wonderful Sunday to watch him, Justin Thomas and Tony Finau um, within that final grouping. Um, I do think that winning, he's going to be, he's going to have a good couple rounds, but I feel like the adrenaline will probably wear out a little bit. I would expect Rory to easily make the cut, but then, it's a very different course. So I'm going to take Justin Thomas truly because he showed that he's right there in the mix uh, at the RBC Canadian Open, and he didn't have as much pressure on him yesterday. So I like to think that his game is really tight. If he's hovering on Saturday, like if he's three, four shots back, I'm going to feel really good going into Sunday because that's classic JT. He as long as he's got a chance going into the last round, you know, he's within five shots, you know, he, and he zones in on it. I mean, he's, he can finish like no one else. So um, I'm taking Justin Thomas. Yeah. I'll throw a couple of the other ones out here for you. The, uh, for the odds, people, some other people Dan mentioned here, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Will Zara Torres are both going out at 30 to one here. Uh, Max Homa, uh, 45 to one. And Justin Thomas is actually the second favorite behind uh, Rory at 11 to one. Yeah, and, and once again, you you can't go wrong with any of those guys. What's Cam Smith at? Uh, Cam Smith is twenty two to one. Okay, yeah, he's I all think, right. Well, that it's about right. Yeah, I think he's number six or seven on the board. I haven't checked. I have to figure out exactly because they don't number the exact things. Just trying to go down the list to see where he is. 
Yeah. Well, look, if uh, the names that we talked about today, I would feel confident with any single one of them. And, um, you know, it's, this should be a very fun weekend to watch some golf. So hopefully while uh, everybody is either back from vacation or not heading to vacation, make sure you flip the golf on this weekend. It'll be uh, it'll be worth your time. Yeah, right. Yeah, Trisha, you open spot too, right around Father's Day weekend. Yeah, it's perfect time for dad to get out, play around, and then come home and watch some good golf. Absolutely, Dan. Thanks all time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I hope you follow social media and keep out some of the stuff you're doing. Sure. Um, so you can find me at DMART207. Um, and right now, I am enjoying, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm um, actively heading to some of our Corn Ferry Tour events and getting to engage in some of our more charitable endeavors on the Corn Ferry Tour as well as the PGA Tour. So um, just out there trying to help people and, and uh, give back to our greater PGA Tour communities. Absolutely, Dan. Thanks all the time. I really appreciate it. All right. Talk soon. The Two Minute Drill. All right. Two Minute Drill time. Going to talk about the new Marvel show, Miss Marvel, based on the comical character of the same name, uh, starring... I'll even look up again who the star is. My mistake here because I should have had that up. That's silly me on the podcasting front. But the Miss Marvel character is a very important one to Marvel going forward here. Sorry, Amon Valani as Kamala Khan, aka Miss Marvel, and she is basically coming into her own as a superhero. Where we see a lot of you know Spider-Man homecoming energy from her, and we see that you know she's excited. She wants to embrace the superhero culture that's going on here we have an avengers con in there which i was surprised this disney's not done this in real life i think it's going to come after the show at some point but i think it's gonna be fun to see this year and you see that she idolizes uh captain marvel herself played by brie larson the films and we see that she's a 16 year old pakistan american high school student from jersey city who's trying to you know fit in to american culture her family is not exactly sure how they feel about that and, you know, we're seeing a perspective on superheroes that you don't really see, where you're getting a minority in the role of superhero, and especially a female minority of Pakistani descent. So it's definitely a lot of fun. The, sh- the show is very interesting because it's colorful, it's fun. There are sequences in there where they make you feel Spider-Man-esque in terms of the coming of age, like, oh, this is all going to go great. My plan goes to work. And, of course, it doesn't. I think it's fun to see what's going to happen with the character because... She ends up at the end of the show basically getting a bangle from her attic to add to her Captain Marvel cosplay and ends up giving her some sort of abilities to project energy out. It's going to be a lot of fun because this character is going to appear in the Marvels. She is one of the three Marvels in the Marvels, which is her Captain Marvel and the Monica Rainbow character from WandaVision. So it's going to be fun to see how that develops here. I think there's some tie-ins to other stuff. I mean, got a post-crisis in the first episode. We saw the agent from Spider-Man Homecoming. Not Homecoming again. Far, no way home. There's too many homes in Spider-Man. So she's easily investigating her. We saw that, you know, they built on some of the fun stuff in the post-Endgame. We're apparently Scott Lang's doing podcasts. It'd be funny if we got a Paul Rudd cameo in here. Just audio cameo. Maybe Kamala Khan's listening to the podcast. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see where this goes. I think... It's more connected than what Moon Knight was, and Moon Knight, yes, was very good, but the end sort of went down the Marvel cookie cutter route of oh, you know, uh, punchy, kicky, flippy action fights at the end. This one's definitely getting that way, but 
we'll see. They do some interesting stuff with this character. I'm just intrigued what's going on here. And with that, I want to end this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Dandy Martini, for coming on to preview the U.S. Open. We have a very interesting tournament this week at the Country Club. We have fun stuff for sure. We're going to like this podcast, including my look at the new Adam Sandler movie, Hustle, on Netflix. It's about Sandler playing a down-as-luck NBA scout who finds the next big-time like talent to try and give himself back in the league. Check out the blog over justonthesuffering.wordpress.com. So you got the Sky Guys here. As you've seen on the podcast, we're in the middle of Kenobi season. Nick Fred is away right now on his honeymoon. Alex Osano stepped in for part four. We have a special guest stepping in for Nick again this week on part five. That's coming out on the podcast feed for the Sky Guys on Thursday. You have to wait till the weekend on Justin the Suffering. But why wait? Check out the Sky Guys podcast for all that. So, again, subscribe to the Sky Guys feed if you are interested in the Obi-Wan Star Wars content. I don't have to wait for it. As well as all the stuff we do on that show that does not make the main feed. There's a lot going on there. Make sure you check it out. Go follow me on Twitter, mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Coming up next week, we're going to get ready for the NBA draft because, believe it or not, Finals are going to be ending. NBA draft is going to be in the hopper. A lot of fun and more. Until we hope you have a better week than Angels fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.